Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are.
I'm so glad to be with you again this morning, and we want to look at the book of Daniel. We're reading through and studying the prophet Daniel. I'm in the fifth chapter. If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me, the Bible says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In that same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall, of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. It's a euphemism for his bowels turned loose. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall, and the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief 
of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give you the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I've heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and the astrologers could not make known the interpretation of this thing that was written on the wall. If you can make it known, I will give you a purple robe and a chain of gold around your neck, and you'll be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then the Daniel answered and said, The king, let your gifts be for yourself, and your rewards give to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor, and because of the majesty that gave him all peoples, nations, and languages, trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up, and whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Huparson. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God, has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Beloved, I want to speak to you about the handwriting on the wall. There are tremendous lessons to learn from God's handwriting on the wall. I'm going to ask the question, what lessons can we learn from God's handwriting on the wall? There are five lessons to learn from this passage. Number one, God is serious about desecrating his holiness. The arrogant young king Belshazzar, king of Babylon, had a thousand people over for the party. His nobles, his leadership, the whole empire leadership came together drinking. And while he was about half drunk, he decided to get the holy vessels of God and bring them to the party that had been taken from the temple of the holy God. His grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken 
and he sinned against the holy God. In fact, the Bible says that these vessels were used to honor the gods of Babylon, the false gods of wood and silver and gold. He sinned against God. He sinned against the holiness of God. And I want to tell you today, God is holy, and he's deadly serious about desecrating his holiness. In fact, the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, according to the Apostle Paul. Not just Belshazzar, but everyone has sinned against the holy God. But desecrating these holy vessels of God was extremely offensive to God. And while the party crowd were engaged in drinking and in this wild orgy, which they were doing in praising their gods, God's hand appeared. And God appeared in holy intolerance of that sin. If God is holy and we are not, then how are we to approach God? I would suggest to you, beloved, that number one, we need to be aware that God is not like we are. He is a God who's completely set apart from all sin. There is no sin in heaven. There's no sin with God. But there is also a reality that if we are to have a relationship with God, there must be some way to get to God if he's holy and we're not. That's what the Bible promises in 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The only way we can reach a holy God is through the mediator, and that mediator is Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, the Holy Son of God who died in our place on the cross to pay for our sinfulness with his blood, who then connects us to holy God through faith in him. We've got to remember that God is holy and that we're sinners. Number two, we've got to learn the lesson that God will get your attention through unusual ways. When they were partying up a storm and they were drinking and laughing and having a big time, all of a sudden a hand appears on the plaster wall and began to write. And it was so bothersome, it disturbed him. He was terrified. The Bible says his bowels turned loose. That's a, they wrote it in a nice way, but that's what happened. And he was horrified by what happened, didn't know what it meant. Let me tell you today, beloved, that God has a technology to get your attention right where you are. He's got the technology and the amazing creativity to get our attention. I would say uh, that this expression, handwriting on the wall, is a way for God to say something's coming. And we think of it as a premonition or a foreboding, a clear indication that a failure disaster is coming. For example, we could say the company had ignored the handwriting on the wall and was plunged into bankruptcy. Let me tell you, God means to get your attention. This COVID-19 has brought us to an awareness of our own mortality, our own fragile lives, and has caused us to ask, what's going on? Who is God? Is God really out there? Is he listening to me? Does he really care about what I do? Let me tell you, short of it is God is sovereign ruler and creator of the universe. And he does listen to the prayers of those who turn to him and seek him. And he does certainly care about what you do. And for Belshazzar, he cared about what was going on enough to materialize his unseen hand and write this cryptic message on the wall. Many, many, Tekel, you parson, a message that spoke to the horrified king. Let me tell you today, God is trying to get your attention And my question is, are you listening? There was no way Belshazzar could avoid the hand of God and the handwriting of God. But my 
question to you is, are you listening to God as he's trying to get your attention? I believe he's trying to get our attention in America right now and in the world that this virus that has come in that has created such a, a terror and such a fear and such an uncertainty that he's trying to tell us that I'm the God who created not only the earth and all humanity, but all the universe. And I want you to look and I want you to see me and I want you to know that I am the sovereign God of the universe. If there's one theme that unifies all 12 chapters of the book of Daniel, it is that God is sovereign over the affairs of men and God is sovereign over Haywood County and over North Carolina and over the United States of America. And he wants to get our attention. Beloved, right now, will you listen to the sovereign God of the universe and hear what he's saying to you? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Listen to what God is saying. And hopefully it's not like Belshazzar after it's past the time of grace and time for judgment. Now, Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to listen and hear what God is saying and have a heart to receive it. That's the beautiful thing about God's grace is no matter where you are, in the grace of God, if you turn to him, you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. You seek him, you'll be found by him. He promises and he always keeps his promises. Number three, the third lesson is God has his faithful servants scattered everywhere. Here is old Daniel, 81 years old, still serving the Lord. Even the queen mother knew that Daniel was a wise man of God. She commended him to her son, saying that Nebuchadnezzar had found him to be far superior to all the rest of the wise men. And Daniel had an excellent spirit with him. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar discovered this. In Daniel 4 9, the Bible says, Belteshazzar, which was Daniel's Babylonian name, chief of the musicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I've seen and its interpretation. Even Nebuchadnezzar knew that the spirit of God was in Daniel. Daniel had the Holy Spirit within him. He was the faithful servant of the holy God of heaven. And we see that God has his servants scattered throughout the world in every nation to do his will and his work. And God has placed his people right where they are to be a witness. And Daniel was a faithful witness and a faithful servant of God of heaven. My question is, do you serve the God of heaven? Are you a faithful servant of the holy God? You can be because he's looking for those who believe in him and who have a heart for him, who seek him and who desire to serve him. My, my appeal to you today is surrender to God Surrender to his will in your life. Surrender to his call on your life and become a faithful servant of Christ. He's calling. Are you listening? He's calling. Number four, the fourth lesson is God will judge sinful arrogance. Here's this young king who brought, decided in a half-drunk state he was going to bring out the holy vessels of God, the vessels that had been uh, set apart, consecrated, to the service of the holy God of Israel. He said, let's bring them out and let's use them to drink and party. And God said, nope, I'm going to judge you because you've desecrated my holiness. This passage ought to cause us to fear God, just like Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom 
is the fear of the Lord. You and I cannot escape the consequences for our arrogance and our sinfulness that ought to cause us to humble ourselves. We ought to realize that God who is sovereign over the universe will bring consequences against any individual, any leader, any prime minister, any president, any nation, any government that rises up in arrogant rebellion against him. Daniel explained to Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that God judged his grandfather. In a period of seven years, he struck him down with a severe bout of insanity because Nebuchadnezzar himself failed to humble himself and became arrogant. And God said, I'll show you, and made him eat grass like a cow in the field. And so here the message came to the wall. Many, many, tekel, you parson. Many means numbered or measured. Tekel means uh, related to the word shekel, whose root idea is to weigh. They weighed in the balance and found deficient in the scales of God and therefore rejected by God. You parson is the plural of peris, which means it's divided. It's, it's a route to divide. So Belshazzar's kingdom would be divided or separated from him and given to the Medes and the Persians who were then besieging the city. This message and interpretation spelled out the king's imminent doom. The time for repentance had run out and judgment was imminent. There is a time of grace. There is a time of repentance that we have, beloved, but that door is going to be shut like the door of the ark one day the door is going to close and there'll be no longer a time to repent because a judgment will fall, the judgment of God. Noah preached for a hundred years to repent. The flood is coming. The judgment of God is coming. For a hundred years, the people laughed at him until the day he went in the ark and all the animals and all his family, eight human beings, and God shut the door of the ark and then the rains came. And then it was too late. Beloved, God is serious. And God is serious about sin. And that very night, the young king was killed by assassination uh, by the forces of Darius the Mede, who then became king over the empire. It reminds me of Ezekiel 18.20, the soul who sins shall die. And sin brings death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As Belshazzar failed to humble his heart before a holy God and turn from his sins, he died in his sins in the same way. If we fail to humble our hearts before God and fail to acknowledge our sins and turn from our sins, we will also die in our sins. But God promises that if we confess our sins and turn away from our sins in the sight of a holy God and put our faith in Jesus Christ, then he will forgive us. He'll cleanse us. He'll put his spirit in us. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have life more abundantly. Ezekiel promised that we'll have a new heart and a new spirit. I'll put a new spirit within you, the Bible prophesies, speaking of the Holy Spirit. My question to you today is, have you humbled your heart before a holy God? Have you recognized your own sins and confessed them before a holy God? Have you turned away from your sins? and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Beloved, do not be like Belshazzar, stubborn, rebellious, and determined to go your own way. Be like Daniel, who humbled his heart before a holy God, and he served the living God. 
And the fifth lesson is God exalts those who humbly honor him. Daniel is the focus of this passage, even though Belshazzar is the man who fell under God's judgment. Daniel stood up and he served the king. He served Belshazzar. Not only that, he served the king of kings. His very name means God is my judge. And he stood and declared the righteous holiness of a living God, but in a humble way. We see in Daniel 9, he set his face toward the Lord God to pray and to fast with sackcloth and ashes. And he says, quote, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome, you're a great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Daniel humbly called on a holy God with a repentant heart to plead for mercy from the God of heaven. Daniel stands in stark contrast to the rebellious Belshazzar. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. James says he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Friend, have you humbled your heart before God? Have you confessed your sins? Have you acknowledged that God is holy and you're not? Have you sought his forgiveness through the blood of Jesus? Have you learned the lessons from Belshazzar how not to relate to God in arrogance and rebellion, but instead through humility, confess your sins and call on the mercy of God to save you? You can today, right where you are. The great French king Charlemagne, who was crowned in 800 AD, it is said, gave instructions to be buried in the royal posture of a king upon his throne. With the gospels opened on his knees, his sword beside him, and his crown upon his head. When his tomb was opened later, many, many years later, his tomb was uncovered and opened, and there he was. The crown was still perched on his skull, and a bony finger rested on these words in the Bible. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and loses his own soul. Beloved, I pray you will give up the things of this world, the arrogance, the sinfulness of your own heart and life, and turn to Jesus. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but loses his own soul? Turn to Jesus to gain your own soul through the blood of Jesus and his finished work on the cross for you, and he'll do it for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will move across this community and across this area with the gospel that not like Belshazzar who stubbornly refused the humility and forgiveness of the most high God but rebelled and sinned against you O God would you cause us to be humble and, and people of faith turning from our sins and turning to Jesus and find that salvation through the grace of God and through the finished work of Christ on the cross I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week.
So on behalf of the Kresge family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.